Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Today, let's talk about small group instruction. Now, this is actually a topic I've done a few podcast episodes on, but it's so important, and I come back to this topic and this idea, I'm asked a lot of different types of questions. I think one of the questions that I get asked the most, whether it be in consultations or in the membership or on social media, is different variations of like, how do I implement this? How do I implement the curriculum? How do I utilize adapted books? Where should I use task cards? How, what does independent work look like in my classroom? And all of those questions are kind of asking the same thing, right? How do I utilize this? And my answer always kind of gets boiled down to, well, you need small group instruction. When I have done in-person classroom consults and walked into classrooms, especially self-contained classrooms that have really varied skills within those students, and I walk in and see whole group instruction for, you know, minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes, I'm kind of like, oh, we could be doing so much more. Because the problem what happens when you do whole group instruction, when you have a really diverse group of skill sets, is you tend to plan for the middle, right? You shoot for like the middle skill sets. Now what happens is for half of the class, that work is going to be way too easy. And when things are way too easy, you are bored. For the other half of the class, that work is way too hard. So hard that it's inaccessible. I can't even do it. It's like someone handing me like a page of like Japanese writing and expecting me to like read it. 
So when something is way too hard and you can't access it at all, you again are bored. And what do, what do we all do when we're bored? Not even just our students, all of us. What do we do when we're bored? We engage in off-task behaviors. Think about the last time you sat in your car and there was a really long stoplight or a really long train and you knew you were kind of be there for, your, for a few minutes. Maybe there's like this notorious like stoplight in your town that like, oh man, if you get caught by the red there, it's going to take forever. What do you do? Maybe a daydream or maybe you're like me and you're bad. You pull out your phone, right? You're like scrolling, scrolling. All of a sudden people are beeping at you because the light has turned green and you need to go, Right. We engage in off-task behaviors when we're bored. That is just natural. And our kids are going to do the same thing. So when we plan a lesson that shoots for that middle skill set and a big percentage of our group is it's either way too easy or way too hard for, those kids are going to be bored. And when they're bored, they're going to engage in off-task behavior, which people may define as you know inappropriate behavior, negative behavior. But really, it's because they are bored. The solution to this, the solution to these behavior problems, the solution to trying to implement curriculum and adapted books and all these things is utilizing small group instruction. And today I want to share my do's and don'ts of small group instruction. Kind of big picture here. Even if you are like veteran rock star teacher, you are so good at this. I still want you to listen and kind of think about your classroom or your caseload and think about how you can tweak how your small group instruction looks, but also use the lens of being that team leader and being that resource in your school. How can you share these strategies with those that you work with, with your paraprofessionals, with your co-teachers, with your colleagues, with your IEP team? How can you listen to these strategies, the ones that you are already utilizing, and share this with those around you? All right, so let's start with the do's. What should you be doing when utilizing small group instruction in your classroom? First, do group your students with similar goals and skills. So you're going to create groups of students that have similar IEP goals or are working on similar goals. You're doing this because you're trying to be efficient with your time. If you have multiple students that are working on a specific phonics skill or on addition or on color identification. Instead of working on color identification multiple times, work on it one time with those three students that are working on color identification. Now, I know this can get really tricky because you may have students that all have exactly different sets of skills. So do the best you can here. If we can kind of get students that are more similar together, it'll be easier to individualize with groups, students that have similar goals. While you are creating these groups of students that have similar goals and similar skills, the next do is I do want you to consider other factors besides just their skill set. I want you to consider their grade, their age, and their behaviors. Now, grade and age are important to consider because some self-contained classrooms or resource rooms may have a really wide age span. You may have first through fifth grade. Now, the difference between a first grader and a fifth grader even just physically in size, can be really different. And you could have a first grader that is like an itty-bitty little girl that looks like she's in preschool and a fifth grader who like is starting to go through puberty and he looks almost like a man. It would feel to me kind of weird and inappropriate to group those two students together because they are, you know, they're five years apart. That's like, you know, in, in childhood years, like a lifespan. So consider grade and age on what's going to be age appropriate. We don't, of course, want to make any of our older kids feel bad by being grouped with someone that is like significantly younger than them. You also want to consider behaviors of students. And sometimes I think it's tempting to ignore this because 
just, and I've seen this so many times, like I don't even mean to like laugh at this, but I've seen this so many times where we have two students that are like, have almost identical IEP goals. They're working on the same skills, but they're like oil and water, which just like some people just are like that. Like all people, right? You have people that you just don't get along with. And they just don't vibe. Like maybe one student hates loud noise and the other student like literally cannot stop singing at the top of his lungs. Those kids are not going to be a good pair. And I have done this. I've worked with teachers that have done this. We try to like force it, right? You're like, oh, but they're both working on reading comprehension at level F. You know, if those behaviors are going to constantly be a problem and be like triggering each other, separate them for now, work on them developing a relationship or friendship or tolerating each other and then bring them together. But you need that first, right? So if we have those really conflicting behaviors, do not put those students in the same group. Another thing to consider with behaviors, if you have a student with really extreme behaviors or high frequency behaviors related to aggression or running or property destruction, really think carefully about the other students that are going to be in that student's group. You want to group that student with other students that have strong independent work skills. You want to really plan for that emergency situation that will happen. So if that kind of identified student that has some of those more extreme behaviors is having a hard day and engages in extreme behaviors and you have to go help that student, what are the other three kids in that group going to be doing? So if you are dealing with that student with the hard behaviors and those other three kids are left to their own devices, is is that going to be another kid that's potentially a runner in that group? Like you don't want that scenario to go down, right? What's worse than one meltdown? two meltdowns. So you want to pair that student with other kids that can work independently in a, in a good way. So when that student needs your help, you bust out a bin of puzzles, a bin of file folders that's next to your desk because you want a bin of independent work by every station in your classroom, no matter what. You bust out that bin, you plop it at the table, you say, okay, you three do puzzles. I'm going to go help Johnny over here. He's having a hard day, right? So those kids have something to do and you know they will be okay and they will be safe. All right, let's get into the details of running that small group. So my first do here is do review expectations at the start of every single group meeting. Yep, every single group meeting the entire year, even if it's March and you're like, we've been running this small group for math all year. The kids know what to do. Then you only need 30 seconds to review those expectations. It can be quick. It can be short and sweet. But in some way, every single day when you sit down with that, small group of learners, I want you to review what the expectations are. You know, we are sitting in our desks. We are sitting at the table. We're going to raise our hand when we want to turn. We are going to collaborate with our peers. We're going to ask questions. We're going to respond respectfully. Whatever skills you're working on, obviously those are a huge range of skills, but depending what grade levels and skill sets, there's going to be specific goals that you are working on beyond your academics. With your little guys, maybe your goal is just to sit near a peer. Okay, so you're going to remind those kids every time you have a visual, hey, we're going to sit by your friends. Look, good job. Like we don't want to touch them if they don't want to be touched. Maybe that's just what you're working on. Maybe you teach older students and you're working on responding in a respectful way or commenting when people contribute to the group. You're working on higher level conversation skills. Review that. Hey, guys, remember, if someone brings something during our guided reading group discussion about the text, even if you don't agree with that opinion, we still respond respectfully and like remember how we do that. And maybe there's a little bit of role play in there. Like you're like, hey, if someone's like, I thought this character was stupid and you liked the character, you can be like, oh, that's interesting. Why? 
So you want to model what that looks like, whether verbally or physically, and show what you expect students to do. Model the behaviors you want to see more of. So take minimum 30 seconds, upwards to two minutes at the start of every single group and probably do this more lo- a little bit longer in the start of the year and then fade out to last time. Review those expectations. Review what the student should be doing during the group beyond those academics. What other behavioral, independent functioning, and social skill goals are those students working on? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And then next thing after that is do set a schedule for the group. This can be a quick agenda that you write up on the board. This can be a visual mini schedule that's at the table. This can be the same every day. Hey, if it's guided reading groups, we're going to always, you know, read the book, discuss the book, do a worksheet. It's those same three things. Maybe it changes every day. Whatever this looks like and however you set up the schedule so the students are understanding and comprehending that information is is fine, but there has to be some way that you are communicating the schedule for that small group in a way that the students understand. Because you don't want to just have this endless list of things to do. Like that would be frustrating for me if I was doing a group project or if I was at a meeting and people just kept bringing up topics, bringing up topics. I'm like, when is this going to be over? I share this a lot when I talk about schedules, but this applies here too because we're talking about mini schedules. Imagine if you walked into that start of the year, first day back to school PD meeting, right? First day back in August, you walk in, your principal has everyone meet in the cafeteria or the teacher's lounge, wherever you do your staff meetings, and there's no agenda. There's no plan. He doesn't say how long he's going to keep you there. He doesn't say what he's going to talk about. He just starts talking and talking and talking and talking. And some of you are always like, yep, that sounds exactly like my life. Now, to me, that would be a hard meeting to sit in. I would prefer to be in a meeting where someone handed me an agenda and they said, hey, from 9 to 9.30, we're doing welcome remarks. From 9.30 to 10.30, we're talking about the year's curriculum. From 10.30 to 11, we are going to have a guest speaker. And at 11, there's lunch or a break or you know, teacher-directed time. I would way prefer to be in that meeting with the agenda. I don't know about you. 
So same with our kids. They want to know how much work they have to do, how many activities there are. So establish that right at the start of that small group meeting. So I get asked a lot about how to pace out a small group or how to know how much you can get done or not get done. And obviously that comes with time and experience with your learners on how long activities are going to take. But I recommend my next do here is do end your small group with an open-ended activity. To me, this makes your schedule flow really nicely if you end with an open-ended activity, something that can take one minute to 10 minutes, right? It can be something that ends up taking a little longer if you need it to, but also if you need to wrap up quickly, that's okay. Maybe you end with quiet reading. Maybe you end with drawing a picture. Maybe you end with um, doing file folders, and there's a whole bin of file folders. And there's something that can take longer depending on how quickly you went through your lesson or planned activity. So I think that sets up the schedule in a really nice way if you do end with that open-ended activity. All right, my last do, do train your team to run small groups. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, right? In how to run a small group, how to set up a small group, what to do during that time. So we cannot expect our team members to read our mind and run a team, run a small group exactly like we would. I talk a lot about staff training on this podcast. If you are in my membership, you know we talk even more about staff training in the membership. I talk about staff training, honestly, in every probably live workshop I do because it comes into play in every topic I talk about, whether I'm talking behavior or literacy or classroom setup or executive functioning skills, staff training is going to be involved in those topics. So you want to train your team on how to run small groups. And that doesn't mean being like, hey, let me talk to you for three minutes and then go ahead, go at it. Really spend some time really in an effective way, walking them through this process, explaining why. I get asked so often about how to get buy-in from staff. And my first answer is like, involve them in the why. Do they know why you're asking them to do this? When people don't explain the behind the scenes reasons, it's hard to get that buy-in. So explain the buy-in. Explain why you want to review expectations. Explain why the mini schedule is important. Explain why you're even doing small groups. Maybe they used to be in a classroom and spent 10 years in a classroom that only did whole group instruction. So sell them on on small group instruction and get started. So really spend the time working with your team members on how to run small groups in the same way you are. All right, now let's get to the don'ts. The don'ts of small group instruction. I only have four. First, only four. I mean, I probably could think of more if I needed to. Now, first up, don't just wing it. Don't set up your schedules, set up your your small group instruction, who's going to come to you when, and then not plan the actual activities. Just fly by the seat of your pants. Like I'm grabbing, you know, a, a quick bingo game, a puzzle of this. The beauty of small group instruction is that you now have learners in front of you that have similar goals. So, and it's it's maybe less time then you would have with them face-to-face if you were doing whole group. So you've got to be efficient with your time. If you have 15 minutes with three students, you want to start right away in on those specific academic skills. And you don't want to be vague here because you have kids that have similar goals. So really define what those goals are for that group and then plan in some way, whatever system works best for you, plan out what you're doing in those groups. If you have to follow your students, your classroom's Your school's lesson plan format, great. If you have your own lesson plan format, even better. 
I really prefer to plan and lesson plan on a monthly basis. That's just my personal preference. Weekly to me is a lot. Quarterly is like too far in between each group. Monthly was like a sweet spot for me. Like I could do it once a month. I could look at that next month, think about what holidays were coming. I can review student data, think about where they're at. And then I just printed like a simple monthly template, monthly calendar. I'd Google like October this year, print those calendars. And for each small group, write in for each day. I had a calendar for each one. Okay, on October 12th, this is what we're working on. October 13th, this is what we're working on. I'd go through the activities I have. I'd look at how they're pacing out through the curriculum. Okay, we're going to do unit four this month. The theme is night and day. What other night and day activities can I bring in? So that's really how I would plan and how I recommend planning. I think that's a nice cadence for it because then you have some structure to it. You're not just winging it. You're not just like, oh, I think they're kind of working on this. It's to me hard to make decisions like in the middle of a busy morning of in, in a classroom because there's a lot going on. So don't make important decisions then. Make important decisions later after school, before school, on the weekend when you have a clear mind and can really focus and think about what those students need to work on. Next, don't. Don't try to fit in too much. Now, I was super super guilty about this because I want to like just get all the things done and like let's do all the things oh my god especially if students were well behaved and engaged I was just like cramming work in and I realized that a lot of my kids processing speed wasn't there because I was I mean I you could you know I talk very quickly and I would move through activities sometimes too quickly and my students processing speed wasn't there yet So they were kind of getting lost in the like chaos of me rushing through activities. So I think really giving the time to focus on each activity, that may mean you get through work slower, but I would rather have students get through activities slower than rush through things and really not retain it or fully learn it. So don't try to fit in too much. And that kind of segues into the next don't. Don't forget to factor in some time for reinforcements, for breaks, for movement. When you're planning your schedule, when you're planning what activities are going to be done, think about if your students are going to need time for a reinforcer break at the end of the small group. Maybe your students are at a place where they need that kind of reinforcer break at the end of every small group. Some kids, you may be able to wait till the end of the morning or the end of the day, but maybe even if it's not a reinforcer break, maybe it's just a break. Maybe it's just a few minutes to go chill, or maybe it's a movement break. When our kids are sitting for a full morning, that's hard. So maybe you want to factor in five minutes at the end of your centers to get up and walk around, to do some heavy work, to do a go noodle video, to play in a sensory bin, to do something that involves some movement and like that mental break. I think that can be so powerful. And again, you may feel like, oh, I'm stealing instructional minutes, but you're giving the student the opportunity to like to recharge for a few minutes so they can go to that next center, that next small group, really revitalized and refreshed and ready to learn there. So consider what breaks need to be in there and factor in that time. My last don't is don't make your data system too complicated. So I couldn't get through a whole podcast episode on small group instruction without talking about data. So again, the beauty of your small group instruction is you have learners with similar goals, which is going to make taking data easier. If you have students with all really different goals, I mean, taking data is nearly impossible. So when you have students with similar goals, data is now possible, but 
don't make it too complicated. Don't make it too crazy. Don't have this like 75 page binder to take data on all the skills every day because you drank the data Kool-Aid. And I love that you drank the data Kool-Aid. I love the energy, the ambition, the enthusiasm, but scale it back a little bit and keep it really simple, especially in the start of the year and take data on one kid a day, no more than that. And maybe your goal is to take data on each student. You got three kids in your group. I'm going to take data on each kid once a week. That's awesome. Do that. That's great. Then you got your leeway. If you have a day where like everyone's just kind of off, okay, we're just going to practice some stuff today. I'm not going to take data. I'm going to take data tomorrow, right? So set goals that are really simple and easy to do and don't make it too complicated because then you will not be consistent. All right, those are my do's and don'ts of small group instruction. I hope that you see the value in hopefully what you are already doing, small group instruction, and found some ways to even tweak how you are implementing or running your small groups and how can you share these strategies with your team members. I would love you to pop over to Instagram or Facebook, your whatever your social media platform of choice is, and send me a message. Send me a DM, send me a message, and let me know how small groups are going in your classroom right now. I want to know, are they going really well? Is something not going so well? And maybe we can troubleshoot. So that's your call to action today. I'm giving you a little homework. DM me, message me, and let me know how your small groups are going. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.